Hello again. I'm Tom Carvelli with Greenway Mortgage. Today I'm talking with Ross McGon. For 15 years, Ross has been the co-owner of the Ross McGon Agency with his wife, Mara. They serve as personal and commercial clients in the New Jersey area. Prior to that, he was a treaty reinsurance broker. He's a graduate of Seton Hall with a BS in accounting. It may seem counterintuitive that the COVID pandemic is a good time to have your home, condo, renter, or auto insurance coverages reviewed, but it actually is. Have a listen and reach out with comments and questions. So Ross, thank you for uh, joining me today. And um, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to start off with uh, all of the letters after your name that are on the screen here. Um, Can you just explain what CPCUAR little e is? Uh, The first one, the CPCU, is a chartered property and casualty underwriter. And that's a designation, uh, a a professional designation in insurance where you go through a series of, at the time I did it, it was 10 10 classes to get a real deep dive on all aspects of insurance to make you a little more informed. Uh, A lot of times, carrier people who work on the company side get it because they're actually working as underwriters but i found it a valuable exercise because it really helps you get a, a deeper understanding of how the policies work and the coverages are designed and the second one is an associates and reinsurer which is another minor insurance degree that my first career in insurance was as a reinsurance broker and what that is is just like you buy insurance in case your house burns down your insurance company is buying insurance in case 100,000 houses burn down. And so we, Mara and I worked uh, placing those treaties, which you know is in some ways the same transaction as buying homeowners insurance. There's just a lot more zeros after it. So. That was actually one of my questions. What's the difference between insurance and reinsurance? And, and maybe you can highlight those differences, but let, let's just sort of get into the basics of insurance. So I've, I, I want to, sort of understand from you what uh, you know the impact of the pandemic has been on the business as a whole. But before that, uh, I'd like to understand some about some basic information about insurance. Uh, you know what what's the normal operation, um, that sort of thing. So um, can you just detail a little bit about uh, what sort of insurance are you in? What policies do you issue? Um, That sort of thing. I'm an independent agent uh, specializing in property and casualty, which is obviously different than life and health. So home, auto, umbrella, uh, commercial property, commercial liability, workers comp, commercial umbrella, cyber liability, any any of those type of coverages are, are, are what we work in. Uh, the Ross McGann Agency, the one that I, Mara and I own and work for, is an independent agency founded in 1936 by my grandfather and great-grandfather. So if you look at our phone number, it's 732-566-0003 because we were the third phone number issued in uh, Madawan. Okay. So if you look at our old ads, it just says call Madawan 3 because they only had nine phone numbers. So you only used one digit when, when calling. Yeah. Uh, so we've been doing it a long time. Uh, for the purpose of this discussion, I'd like to focus in on uh, homeowners and personal insurance because you work in lending, so it's sort of uh, uh, sort of the way in which we interact together the most. But we do all forms. If anybody's watching this is interested in commercial insurance, we're happy to talk about it. We do a lot of it. Uh, the independent agency portion of it is important too because 
the way you insurance products are distributed affect how the the customer's results are, right? I mean, if you call, say, Liberty Mutual or Geico or one of the companies you see advertising on TV, Allstate, State Farm, they have one product to offer you. So if I call Liberty Mutual and I need homeowner's insurance, the only thing they're going to give me is Liberty Mutual homeowner's insurance. And not that that's a bad thing. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with them as a carrier, but it doesn't, the person you're dealing with isn't going to give you options or coverages unless they offer. We're an independent agent. So we're directly appointed with about 25 companies, good companies, A-rated, financially sound, hundreds of years of business experience, but you've never heard of them because they don't spend any money on advertising. Mutual companies, multi-state mutuals, stuff like that. So you call up and you say, hey, Ross, I'm buying a house in Belmar that's 100 years old and has a flat roof. I'm able to go out and I, I wouldn't advise you to buy a house with a flat roof, by the way, but I'm able to go out and take the information you've given me, your your insurance score, all the, maybe you have a dog, maybe there's a swimming pool, and I can go through a whole gamut of companies. And so say maybe we start with 25, a couple of the factors line it down to seven companies that, that'll match what you have. And then I can price out with all of them and tell you which one has the coverages and the best price. So you get an option. You really get to, you really get to craft the solution for the client uh, better because we've got more options to do so. So what does the actual process look like when, when a client comes to you for homeowners insurance? How does it, how does it work it, from, from the time you first have contact with them to, I guess, binding the policy or what, what happens? If, if somebody came in off the street, not involved in a real estate closing, we can usually do it in an hour or two. People call up and they say, hey, I'm interested in homeowners insurance. Either they have it now and they're looking for a better price or maybe it lapsed and they're looking to get coverage. We would ask for just a couple pieces of information, namely who owns the house, some um, biographical information like dates of birth, uh, address, and then we go through a checklist of factors about the house that could affect coverage. Do you have a swimming pool? Do you have an oil tank? Do you have a dog, trampoline? Uh, do you have an alarm system? Stuff like that. We collect some, some ba basic, uh, basic information like that. Mm -hmm. And then we pull the information from the public record about the size of the house and their square footage and stuff. Okay. We start working on quotes. We determine what the replacement cost of the house should be, which varies a little bit by carriers. And then once we've gone through all the carriers, we, we select the, the most appropriate quotes and then speak to the client about it. We circle back and say, hey, here's what we found. Here's the coverages that are in it. If there's anything they need to be aware of, we point it out. And if the customer likes it, we can, um, we can issue it, you know, same day. You know, we'll collect the, who their mortgage company is because often they need to be notified and uh, make sure it's issued and issued and taken care of. And listed at the mortgage company has to be listed typically as a lost pay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, when, when a consumer, when you do give a consumer a, a premium or a price, mm -hmm. how, how do they evaluate the policy to know that they're getting the, 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 the best deal or the most for their money? That's where having a good agent is important on homeowners insurance, because compared to, say, purchasing auto insurance, purchasing auto insurance is very easy because there's very few lines of coverage and they've been 
effectively made homogenous by the by state regulators. And they can be made homogenous because auto is a very narrow, a very narrow product. So if you pick up two auto policies and hold them side by side, you can basically look at three lines. And if all three of those lines are the same, you should go whichever one is cheaper because it's it's a it's a it's a real commodity. Hmm. There's some qualitative difference. So, I mean, there's some carriers that are worse than others, but most people are most of the carriers are sort of in the middle in terms of the qualitative value. So that it's very easy to shop. When you're looking at homeowners insurance, the complete opposite is true. I always find it fascinating that people will spend hours obsessing over insuring their $22,000 Honda, and then will spend zero seconds evaluating what they're paying for to insure what's effectively their largest asset. And for homeowners insurance, the, the difference between policies can be significant based on endorsements and coverages so that Whereas in auto insurance, if everything's the same, you always want to choose the, the, the least expensive. In homeowner's insurance, often people are paying more for less because of the nature of the way larger insurance companies view homeowner's insurance. So you want to, everybody's insured for fire, right? Say your house burns down. Anybody who's got an active homeowner's insurance policy, and if they didn't set the fire themselves, are going to get paid by the insurance company. That's just standard. Everything's covered. You know, fire is covered for everything. But a lot of stuff isn't covered under a standard homeowner's policy. It needs to be added by endorsement. Things like water backup. So you've got a basement with a sump pump, and the sump pump fails. Water backs up into your basement and damages your belongings and, your, and the finish on it. Mm-hmm. A standard homeowner's policy doesn't cover it. That needs to be added on by a, a coverage endorsement. Same thing with uh, service line coverage. So uh, you come home one day and the water or sewer pipe buried in your front yard bro- is broken. A standard homeowner's insurance policy isn't gonna pay to fix that. It's not a covered cause of loss. You need to have that coverage added on. Things like uh, equipment breakdown. So a power surge comes down the line, tries out your pool heater, your furnace, your washer dryer, your TV, and your computer, right? I mean, it's a pretty big number. That adds up quick. Uh, again, standard homeowner's insurance doesn't cover this exposure, so you need to make sure it's endorsed on there. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that if you're just looking at the front of a policy, say like this policy says I'm insured for 400000 and this policy says I'm insured for 400000 so therefore the same, I'm just going to take whichever one is less expensive or whatever one that gets me a discount on my auto insurance, right? But until you actually sort of start to peel back the layers and make sure all of the, the bespoke coverage, you know, the, the, the coverages that aren't automatic are included in there, you can end up with a really expensive hole in your coverage. A couple big areas, too, where people don't realize are on there are hurricane deductibles. So say your house burns down, right? On the front of the page, it's going to say your deductible is $1,000 or 5%. So $1,000 is anything that's covered other than a hurricane. So your house burns down, it's $1,000. Hurricane Tom blows up the coast and knocks your house over, it's gonna be 5% of the value of the house or whatever that percentage is. So if you have a $500,000 house, that's a $25,000 deductible. A lot of carriers can eliminate that and people don't realize it. So, and a lot of people who bought homeowners insurance 10, 15 years ago and it wasn't on there, it got rolled on at a later point. And that's sort of a big, uh, 
a big coverage hole that a lot of people don't realize that they're sitting on as well. Because it doesn't call it out, right, up, uh, up front. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's like one of those things that's buried in the, in, in the policy somewhere. It's on the first page, but people, uh, people often don't say it. Okay. Another one that, that is becoming less of an issue but is still big is uh, for people who have an uh, in-ground oil tank on their property. Mm. That you, if your oil tank leaks, your homeowner's insurance doesn't cover the repair of your property. That's standard. Like your, your, your dirt isn't covered. There's no way to divide it. You, you can get coverage for that from your oil vendor. But if your oil leaks on your property and it seeps onto your neighbor's property, you've now got a liability issue. In effect, your neighbor is going to sue you to pay to clean up their property. Okay. If you've got an in-ground oil tank, you can that coverage again is automatically excluded from a homeowner's policy. You can most some most carriers will allow you to purchase back for not a large premium, the liability portion of it. So that it, 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 I don't say in the event that it leaks, anything buried in the ground is eventually gonna deteriorate leak. That when your oil tank leaks, if it becomes a situation where it impacts the water, so the, the water supply or adjacent property, you can purchase back that liability coverage, which is pretty big. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so, you know, I'd like to, like to switch now to, um, you know the the current situation and um you know what what are the challenges that your industry and and your business are are seeing in this environment the challenge is that nobody's working or a lot of people aren't working and people aren't getting paid and people are sitting on cash so on on the personal and the commercial line side sort of the, the flow of money is drying up so that people just aren't the governor said you don't have to pay your bill for 90 days for PNC insurance and they can't cancel you. So people are not paying it. You know, they, if they're not working, they're just, they're just sticking everything to the bank. And the same on the commercial side, people, commercial contractors who had jobs lined up, basically everybody said, I'm not, you can start if you want, but I'm not going to pay you until everything gets going. So that's the sort of cycle of money flowing through the economy is affecting insurance in effect. Every, I mean, every, every business, every aspect of it is seeing the same sort of, unless you're in the grocery or liquor store business, you're, you know, you're not seeing customers <laughs> spend money. Customers yeah, spend but money. so, I mean, but right now, if somebody, you know, presumably there are a number of people that have a lot of free time, uh, is now a good time for, for those people to have their policies reevaluated? A hundred percent, especially, again, you know, especially focusing on the, you know, the, the homeowner side, Hey, you should always price out your coverage because you can, if as long as you're getting apples to apples or better, why not save the money? But B, most people are overpaying by 50 to 75% for their homeowner's insurance in my estimation. That if your homeowner's insurance is with a company, you, especially if you're in Southern or Eastern, Eastern New Jersey, if your coverage is with a, company you've seen an advertisement for on television, you're probably paying close to double what you should for your homeowner's insurance. Really? Um, yeah, because of, again, going back to my reinsurance days, insurance companies, especially stock companies, don't like unpredictable results. And that's why they love auto insurance. A, the premiums are larger. And B, if you actually chart out the result, the, you know, the, the, the profit and loss results for auto insurance, super steady. 
so that they can predict over a longer period of time what their profitability and changes. The larger companies, the more sophisticated financial institutions want to hoover up as many auto dollars as they can because they can then use it on the back end to generate investment profits and things like that. Whereas things like property insurance, homeowners insurance, have very wildly varied results. So um, some some years the wind blows and some years it doesn't. You know, in 2012, we had um, Hurricane Sandy, which everybody knows rocked our world. And then in 2013, things were great. So whereas they, they ran a 300% loss in 2012, in um, 2013, they had like a 40% profit. And so, so larger, larger insurers don't like the variation results. So they have to purchase reinsurance, which I did my first career, mm. to smooth out, smooth out the, the, the hits. And so because they are much more concerned about the variation, they price the product higher to help head results. Whereas mutual companies, who, which don't have shareholders in effect, are able to, because they're not trying to meet a, a quarterly, a quarterly guideline or a quarterly like shareholder advisement, mm. are able to absorb larger variations in results and keep it right. So I know this is a little off track, but it's something that I think is is important to hit on. Is in 2012, everybody calls it Hurricane Sandy, but it was actually not a hurricane, correct? It, it, uh, yeah. Or classified as a hurricane. Yeah, the, the post-tropical depression cyclone Sandy is is technically what it was called, but yeah. by any number of objective measurements, it was a hurricane. Mm-hmm. And so at the time, because those hurricane deductibles were out there, and, and the governor at the time didn't want to um, have the New Jersey economy deal with these huge coverage holes, they found mm-hmm. some buoy out in the ocean where it was one mile an hour slower <laughs> than what technically qualifies as a hurricane. And they're like, oh, well, it's not a hurricane, so you can't use it. So, right. So, it did, so Hurricane Sandy actually didn't trip the hurricane deductible um, in, in people's homeowners insurance. It didn't actually trip it, no. Right. And some carriers are looking to eliminate them because they say if, if New Jersey's not going to let us use it, why are because they're technically giving you a small premium credit for having it. If you look on line item on your policy, you're getting like a five dollar credit for having this twenty five thousand dollar deductible on your policy. Okay. But you should be aware of it. A because you don't need to have it at all. So a lot of carriers you can just eliminate it and, and eliminate the question. And there could come a point where there is a, a hurricane that they can't sufficiently argue their way out of it being a hurricane, right? right. I mean they came up with some they were some, lucky this time. We were lucky this time, yeah. Well, homeowners were lucky this time. Homeowners the insurance companies suffered because of it. Uh, the men, I don't know about suffered, but they weren't really giving you much of a discount for the right, insurance okay. money. Right, so, yep. well, I mean, ultimately the consumer suffered because um, pricing went up after Sandy because carriers had been factoring lower rates based on these deductible. And so then as a result, they raised their rates, but that's kind of a lame argument. Yeah, no, it, it's fine. They're always going to get their money somehow, right? Yeah, I mean, to a certain, to a certain degree, it's a zero-sum game, right? Uh, you know, if the, if the losses in New Jersey start piling up, you can either 
not have it or have it at a mutually beneficial price, you know. Uh, okay, so we digress uh, for a moment there. I want to sort of get back to the, the current situation at hand. And um, I mean, as far as service levels go for um, insurance companies, uh, carriers, um, getting new policies, has, has there been any impact on, on any of that? The companies are open for business so that um, if you need a policy, you can get it we as an agency or an industry have had some difficulty in getting our lines of communication working. Whereas, you know, on March 12th, you could just call up my office. We had eight employees in here answering the phone, working, getting everything done. We've had, with people working remotely, sometimes people call and they'll get a message and we call them back. But no, if you need a policy, we're wide open for business, email, phone, cell phone, you know, so, for us, we have just a little bit of an operational problem in, in determining how to best work our our telephone systems. But other than that, we're we're rocking and rolling. Well, that's good. And what about claims and whatnot? I mean, have there been uh, has there been an uptick or a downtick or a status quo in in claims? Uh, There's really been a downtick because nobody's going. Anywhere. So, and you'll you've actually seen that reflected in all of the national auto carriers have seen their auto results turn fantastic because driving's down by 50 or 60 percent and so when there's no cars on the road there's nobody to get into an accident with uh and they've rolled out these national um these national programs to give people rebates on their auto insurance and they're saying they're going to give you a 15 percent discount but if you read the fine print they're really giving you 15 percent on two months worth of premium so it adds up to about 25 uh, to 50 dollars per, per household which is I you see. know they're they're seeing the benefit there's no reason they shouldn't share it with you but sure my, my phone and, and inbox have been inundated with people wondering where they're getting they're like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to get like a $200 refund. It's like, no, no. Yeah. Like you know, I, I, wonder, I wonder when, you know, uh, when the brakes do come off on the economy and everybody gets back out there, if they're going to be like, you know, a lot of pent up energy. Oh, oh man. <laughs> the number of uh, DWIs on the first night they reopen bars is going to be take Uber. Take Stay Uber. home. Yeah, right. um, um, yeah, the other, but, but when the economy does reopen, it's going to be an interesting uh, sorting sorting out all of the payments because they've told businesses and consumers you've got a ninety day deferral on your insurance. But again, like people are going to find out with their mortgages, it's a deferral, not a grant. Right. So that's, you know, so that's one thing that I did want to, another thing I wanted to touch on, because everybody's heard about deferments, right, on mortgages, but not so much on, on insurance uh, payments. Um, so what, you know, that, what are the details behind that? Did you um, hear me? Yeah. yeah, I heard you, it dropped okay. out. Yeah. yeah, no, I, what's the story on defer? The, yeah, Harry, so on mortgage payments, right, you, you, you can, if, if you can demonstrate a hardship, you can call your servicer and say, you know, I would like to apply for a deferment. And then, you know, you, you're able to defer your, your mortgage payments for up to 90 days. At the end of 90 days, there's a number of different things that can happen. One of which is, yo, all the past 90 days plus your current payment now, uh, or you work out some sort of payment plan with your, with your mortgage servicer. Uh, but that it doesn't end there. There will be on the mortgage aspect of it lasting effects for 
uh, borrowers. Meaning if you right. go to refinance your, your property uh, next year and you're within a one-year window of when the forbearance ended, you could potentially have a problem because that's going to be reported to to your to the mortgage companies and and you may or may not uh, be able to get approved for a refinance uh, within a year of the forbearance ending. So it, it, there's no free lunch in in this forbearance thing. So I, I'm wondering it, it, what the parallels are in uh, on the insurance side. On the insurance side, it's similar that the governor without. Which and fine, I, you know, this isn't a criticism. Without a framework for it to operate, said basically, P, property and casualty insurance companies can't cancel you for non-payment for the next ninety days. And unlike the the mortgage industry, which already had a process in place for forbearances, because you know hardship, you know that the the mortgage companies already had a process in place for forbearances that's never been done before in the insurance industry. Um, so they're not, I, they're working out the details of the process. What they're doing now is if you can't pay your bill, they're gonna send you a paper cancellation so that, they so that you have it, but then they're gonna continue to invoice you. So the policy will be active, but they don't have the ability, insurance company computer systems are old and not very flexible. So they don't actually have the ability to suppress the process. But if after, you know, at the end of 90 days, there's going to be a process for notifying these people, you've received cancellation, you know, your policy still in force and setting up a new billing system, but I, I, they're working it out. Okay. And like everything else with banking and insurance, it's, um, you can't make a change without getting approved. So the auto carriers have announced that they're giving these rebates. But in order to give a rebate, you have to have that rebate filed with the insurance department. So they can't actually start sending out the checks until the insurance department approves the rebate. So we've seen a lot of our customers calling, saying, like, where's my, you know, where's my $6? And uh, as, as, soon as, they fig as soon as they figure out how they're allowed to do it, they're going to they're gonna apply it to your, your policy. Yeah, so, and the banking commission might have lots of other things that they're yeah, like, trying to figure out right now, too. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot going on. It's you're we're sort of in a no man's land that they've they passed all of these edicts and there's no existing framework for enforcing them or, or managing them. And not right. that companies don't want to comply. It's not like insurance companies like, oh, I can't believe I'm not gonna get paid for 90 I mean they probably are, but you know, they, they want to comply. There's just no there's no framework for doing it, and there's no legal protection for the 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 carriers who are doing it right so i go out and try to do what i'm being told to do but if i don't do it correctly then they're going to face lawsuits like the like the banks with the ppp loans right i mean they go out and said you got to give money to everybody and then the money ran out and now everybody's and they did some dirty tricks too that that had them coming to them but still you know there's it's it's unprecedented it's mm. actually what's making certain types of insurance very difficult to get right now uh Professional liability for a lot of industries is is difficult to place because um, carriers are not sure what they're staring down the barrel of. Employment practices is going to be a big one too, which is basically insurance for a business for a business owner in the results of a, an employee lawsuit. And so, if you don't have employment practices right now, getting coverage can be difficult because carriers 
are really uncertain about what sort of um, long-term mass litigation is going to come out of all this. I see. So, um, so I'm just wondering what your, your long-term outlook is uh, as far as, look, I mean, the, the brakes are going to come off the economy. We're going we're gonna to slowly get back to something that, that looks like normal. We don't know how long it's going to be. We don't know uh, what the, how bad the long-term impact is going to be or what a recovery is going to look like. But for your industry and um, kind of sort of like for, for uh, homeowners policies and whatnot, um, what do you think the long-term uh, outlook is? And, you know, are there any changes or adaptions, uh, you know, that have, that have, occurred that will will stay in place for the long term are there going to be sorts of new products that come out of this um you know that sort of thing um from the personal line side i don't see a lot of product innovation coming out of it um some sort of stay-at-home endorsement but i don't know what i i think mm -hmm. what it'll it's going to do is drive insurance companies to modernize their billing systems that the the insurance industry is one of the worst for collecting payment that, you know, I still have companies that can't take a credit card for payment. You know, it's, you know, they're like, oh no, well they can send in the check. I said, like, well, they can't send in a check because they're not gonna go to the post office, you know, so, so that it's gonna spur companies that are good claims handling companies, but bad service companies to, and I shouldn't say bad service companies, but bad, not modern billing companies to, to really change the, the way they collect payments from customers. Um, on the commercial line side, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens because right now on a, a business policy, um, coverage for viral infections and, and pandemics is excluded specifically because, you know, following the, the 2001, was 2001 with SARS, 2002? SARS. Uh, what, I forget whatever, the years. Swine, yeah. swine flu, H1N1, whatever, whatever the first one was in the early 2000s, the insurance industry realized that their wording and it was litigated, their wording on their contracts wasn't very specific regarding things like pandemics. And you may say, well, like, oh, well, they're just trying to weasel out of paying you, but that's not entirely accurate. That the, the, the price you are paying for, say, property insurance is based on their ability to quantify how likely and how severe the average claim is going to be. And I'm sure if there's any actuaries listening to this, they're like grabbing their hair at how poor that explanation was. But, but in layman's terms, basically insurance companies can come up with a factor for all the things that are covered in your insurance policy and use that to come up with a rate. And if they're wrong by a little bit, they have a loss. If they're right by a little bit, there's a little extra loss over. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're using big data, really big, quantitative minds and computers to, to, to try to model what it's going to cost so that there'll be enough money in the pool when it happens to pay your class. The things they can't quantify are things that are unquantifiable, right? I mean, how would they price, how would they come up with a price for, for insurance for when the entire world economy shuts down, right? So that's why things like this, things, things that are global in nature are, are, are really considered uninsurable. I mean, they can insure against a hurricane in Florida, but if there was a hurricane the size of the Northern Hemisphere that affected every continent, you, you couldn't 
and that's not physically possible, but you know, as an example, they, they, right. they insure for it because it 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 would it creates too much of a loss for for people to price for. And so right now, you know, people are clamoring to have their business interruption coverage include you know losses for the pandemic, but it's specifically excluded, and that exclusion was approved by the state insurance department. So. You know, you run into a situation where if they can change their minds and say, oh, well, that exclusion doesn't count anymore. Now you're just having the state rewriting um, rewriting contracts, you know, ad hoc is, is really, you know, creates a lot of complicated legal questions. Mm-hmm. It would also take from the insurance industry. So your, your homeowner's insurance would go from being $1,000 a year to $5,000 a year next year and vice versa. But, you know, so, you know, what about the fact that everybody, that a lot of people are now working from home? Is does that have any influence or impact on homeowners insurance policies, or do you see any uh, issues uh, or changes uh, coming down because of that? Like, I guess my I guess my concern here is, or thought process here is that you know you insured your home to live in, right, and and right. now you're also working there. Um, does that from a homeowner's standpoint, I'm assuming you're working a service job like insurance or loans where you're just sitting at a computer grinding out paper, there's not a big exposure change for a homeowner. If you have some sort of a home-based business, you definitely want to look at, say you're cutting hair in your home or you're running a small home daycare or something where you're actually like conducting a, a physical business, mm. um, you would want to talk to your homeowner's agent homeowner's insurance agent to make sure the coverages associated with that are, are being correctly addressed. From an employer standpoint, you if you've got employees working from home and they've got business equipment in their house in the field, you want to make sure that you're accounting for what's out there and make sure that it's um, sorry, make sure that's being accounted for and insured correctly. So okay. Interesting. All right. Well, you know, I, I think that's a, a good place to wrap it up. Uh, is there anything that we haven't covered that you think is important um, or relevant at this point? Uh, no, I, I would just say, um, look at what you have, especially, you know, for if you're sitting home with personal insurance, you're worried about your bills, look at your homeowner's insurance because you probably save a lot of money on it. Same thing for your business. It's, it's a good time for people to realize what they have and what's not in there. You know, a lot of times people have, have opened up businesses they had a friend who was an agent or, you know, they just bought off some website and, you know, they're starting their business on a shoestring. So they're trying to figure it out. But there's, there's a lot, you know, if you haven't looked at what you're doing compared to what you have, there's probably a, a lot of space in there that you don't realize, you don't realize a lot of, a lot of coverage. Gets. So, you know, good time to sit down and have a conversation with a, have a conversation with an agent say, Hey, you know, I've got my business. So I want to look at what I have and, and what I might need. Okay. Well, thank you. And, and if anybody wants to uh, get in touch with you, what, what's the best, the best way to do that? Is it on your website or? Through yeah, we've, got a, uh, we've got a great website. We can do online chats there. You can email, you know, my email is always great. You can call on the phone, you know, any, all of our modes of communication are open, reach out and okay. uh, we'd be happy to hit me up on Facebook. You know, we're, we're, We'll put all of those links uh, and, mm-hmm. and contact information uh, in wherever we post this. So I'll, uh, I'll have that added. If you could just send that over to me. Great. I appreciate that. 
All right. Well, Ross, thank you very much. It was good seeing you and uh, best of luck and stay safe, stay well. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Tom. And same to you and yours. Everybody, right. uh, everybody stay safe. I'll talk All to right. you soon. Thanks, Ross. Bye.